This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pets. P-E-P Pets. Kellogg's Pets, the Sunshine Serial, presents The Adventures of Superman. Today, while Superman pursues his slim clues to rout out the villainous restaurant racketeers, the crooks plot the cruel murder of Dave Powers, the only witness against them. Hello there, gang. This is your pal, Dan McCullough. Say, isn't it swell that you can have fun with your collection of comic buttons from packages of Kellogg's Pets any kind of weather, any day of the week? Both fellas and girls, too. Whenever you meet up with one of your pals, there's the business of comparing notes on how many that you've collected so far. And say, it's even more fun trading duplicates, like an extra button with Pat Patton's picture in exchange for Jeff Trueheart if you don't have that one yet. Or uh, maybe the little moose traded for uh, Judy or Corky. Or Flash Gordon for Superman. Yes, sir, for fun and for doggone good looks, these pet comic buttons are are really keen and say they're so easy to get. You can collect all 18 buttons in the new series just by asking Mom to keep you supplied with plenty of Kellogg's Pets. That's right. You don't have to send in any money, not even a box up. And you can't buy these prizes anywhere. But there's a comic button inside every package of pet you open. And that's only one reason that you like pets. You get a kick out of pets' catchy sunshine flavor. The golden toasted goodness that goes so good on a cold and frosty morning. Pets' crisp freshness, too. Yes, sir, you'll like everything about P-E-P, the sunshine cereal... Kellogg's Pep. And now, the adventures of Superman. By serving three meals for one day, a racketeer calling himself Professor Blessing made it appear that a worthless little lunch wagon was doing a terrific business, and so tricked young Dave Powers into paying $2,000 for it. When he discovered that he had been fleeced, Powers contacted Max, the original owner of the diner, and threatened to go to the police unless he got his money back. Frightened, Max hurried to Froggy, Professor Blessing's strong-armed henchman, who sent two gunmen to the lunch wagon. Meanwhile, Powers reported his being taken in to the Daily Planet, and Kent, accompanied by Jimmy Olsen, arrived at the diner in time to save Dave's life. But Jimmy was injured during the fray, and the gunman escaped. Later, when Professor Blessing learned what had happened, he denounced Froggy for enlisting the gunman, and told him angrily, You've made us accessories to an attempted homicide, Froggy. Now, in order to save our necks, we've got to commit a murder. 
As we continue today, Aunt Inspector Hendrick's men, Dave Powers, after discovering that Max, the original owner of the diner, had fled Metropolis, have returned to police headquarters, where we join them now. Listen. Well, I guess there goes my $2,000, Mr. Kent. Whoa, don't lose hope yet, Dave. I know when I'm licked. We'll never find Max, and I don't even know the name of his partner. I'm so... sorry for you, Powers, but what's happened to you is your own fault. You should have investigated thoroughly before you bought that lunch wagon. Sure, I know that now, Inspector, but God... You know, if people were more careful about doing business with strangers, racketeers would be forced to earn an honest living. Ain't it the truth? Now, look, Inspector, there's no need to rub it in. I'm sure Dave has learned his lesson. I sure have. After it's too late to do me any good. No, no maybe it's not too late. Max got away, but you said he had a partner. The tall, thin one who did all the talking. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but he doesn't even know the fellow's name, Kent. I know, I know. Can you tell us anything about him, Dave? Nothing except that he was a smooth talker, all right. And, oh, yeah, Max called him Professor. Professor? Uh-huh. I just remembered that. And he looked something like a professor, too. Tall and thin with a high, bald dome and nose glasses hung onto a long black ribbon. Hey, doesn't that sound like Professor Blessing, Inspector? Who? The phony song publisher who swindled Poco and almost finished Jim Oates and Beanie Martin. Hey, it does it that, Kent. But that Professor Blessing beat it out of town when Jim and Superman broke up his song publishing racket, didn't he? True, but he could have come back, couldn't he? Yes, he could have. Look, Howard, you said there was a third man with the Professor and Max. Yes, what did he look like? Well, let's see, he was a husky guy with a broken nose and, well, sort of cauliflower ears. Looked like a broken-down prize fighter, as a matter of fact. Froggy, Froggy. huh? That was Froggy, Professor Blessing's henchman. Yeah, his strong-arm suit. Hey, you are right, Kent. The professor is back in town and up to his old tricks. Got to get rid of him this time, Inspector. That's twice he put your motion in the hospital, and it's only a miracle Jim's still alive. I'm well aware of that. Wait a minute. Yes, Inspector. Look, Healy. I want you to put a search detail through the Red Gate District for Professor Blessing and Froggy. And do it fast. We turned the district upside down for the last month, don't you remember, Inspector? I know, but I have reason to believe they're back in Metropolis and we're mixed up in that lunch wagon shooting today. We traced them to the Red Gate District the last time, so they may be hiding out there again. Good Give it a word, Keeley. Okay, Inspector. I'll get right to work on it. Good. If those rascals are still in Metropolis, we'll find them again. I know you will. And maybe we'll get some of your money back for you, Powers. I sure hope so. Well, I guess I'll be getting back home. My wife will be worried about me. Okay. No, wait, Dave. I'll go with you. You're still in danger, you know. Me in danger? You bet. You know, one attempt is already made in your life today to keep you from talking. There's a good chance they may make another try. Jeepers. That's right, Howard. Holy smokes, I didn't think of that. My don't worry about anything. I'm going with you. So what? What can you do against bullets, Kent? be surprised, Inspector. Baloney, just because you were lucky enough to rattle those gunmen this afternoon so that they shot wild, don't start thinking you're Superman. Ah, <laughs> that's very funny. Oh, yeah? I think you'd better stay here with me. It won't take Healy long to go through the Red Gate District. But, David, if I'll send a couple of my men along with Howard. Oh, good. They'll watch his house until the professor and Froggy are rounded up. I'll make the arrangements now. As a thorough police search gets underway for Professor Blessing and Froggy, we find them in their room in a third-class hotel in the Red Gate District, where the professor is leaping through the telephone book. Professor, what do you mean we got to rub somebody out to save our necks? I mean just what I say, Froggy. By stupidly sending those gunmen to the lunch wagon, you made us accessories to an attempted homicide. With our record, we'll go up the river for life if we're picked up now. But, but I don't want to go back to the big house. You should have thought of that before, you half-baked idiot. I, I guess I should have, but look at who we're going to rub out. Who do you suppose? Dave Powers, of course. Powers? You mean the sucker we sold Max's lunch wagon yeah, to? Yeah, certainly. But you just told me I shouldn't have sent the boy to his place. Of course you shouldn't have, because then he had nothing on you and me, only Max. Oh. But now it's a different matter. Now we're tied up in an assault to kill rats. And we've got to take care of power so that he can't identify us as being mixed up in the racket at all. You see? Yeah, I get it. Okay, leave it to me, Professor. I'll fix it so that Faluka don't testify against us. Sit down. I'll tell you what to do. Ah, here it is. What? Our phone number. I'm going to call him up. Call him up? What for? Close your mouth, Froggy. The flies will get in. But you just... Never mind what I said. Just do what you're told and don't try to think. It'll only give you a headache. But, Professor, you don't know what you... Quiet. Is this apartment 4B? No, this is 3C. Who is uh, Sorry, my mistake. 
What the heck is going on? Well, well, that was easy. What was? What'd you do? I found out what apartment Powers lives in. Also, that uh, he's at home. Oh. Now, Froggy, got your gun? Sure, I always carry it. But look, I hope you don't mean we're just walking over to the sucker's apartment. Of course, that's what I mean. I said we had to get rid of him, didn't I? Yeah, sure, but going to his house cold like this after the cops know we tried for him once today. Don't you think he might be laying for us? Mm, yes, they might be. Then we'll be walking right into a trap. Oh, no, we won't, Froggy. As I said before, just leave the thinking to me and everything will be okay. Now get your cap and let's go. Shaking his bullet head in bewilderment, the burly Froggy checks his revolver, replaces it in his shoulder holster, and follows Professor Blessing from the room. What will happen now? Twilight is falling over Metropolis, and the streets are thick with homebound traffic as a taxicab bearing Professor Blessing and Froggy turns into a narrow, squalid street near the waterfront. Out of it, would it be, driver? Okay, Max. It's the street powers lives on, Professor. Yes, number 2116. The corner house is 2100. Oh, that must be his apartment building, the one just ahead to the right. Yeah, I can see the number. Hey, Professor, look. There's two cops patrolling out in front. Quiet. Just as I expected. You expected? Then what? Keep us in peace, Quiet, quiet, I said. Uh, let us out of the next corner, driver. Okay. No, we don't want to get out here, Professor. We better figure out how to get powers some other way. Will you be quiet, Froggy? I know what I'm doing. I always thought you did, but now I ain't so sure. All right, here's okay, driver. That'll be 80 cents. Uh, here you are. Keep the change. Thanks. You're welcome, my man. Come from, uh, Wilfred. Okay. Now, what the heck is going on? Well, that cab goes away. Okay, he's gone. Now, look, Professor, I don't like working with these cops in front of the power building. Besides, I see there ain't no alley behind it. How do you figure to get in without getting caught? Just leave it to me, Froggy. It'll be dark in a few minutes. So what? There's enough light from the street lamps for the cops to see you. Yes, yes, I know. But I've got a plan. And as soon as it gets dark, I'll show you how it works. Then you'll see what a cinch it'll be to take care of Dave's powers. Now, just relax and be quiet. Shadows of the corner building. Professor Blessing and Froggy wait for the fast falling darkness to close in. When the professor says he has a plan that will make finishing young Dave Powers a cinch. <laughs> Meanwhile, in his office at police headquarters, where he waits with Clark Kent, Inspector Henderson has just received a phone call from Sergeant Healy. The red gate on your sight? Okay, Healy. We'll be right out. Wait for it. What is it, Inspector? Healy just found out that the professor and Froggy are staying at a red gate on hotel, Kent. Did he get them? No, they're out at the moment. But we'll be waiting for them when they get back. Come on. <laughs> Hurrying from police headquarters, Clark Kent and Inspector Henderson start for the Red Gate Arms Hotel. Unaware that Professor Blessing and Froggy are now waiting in the shadows. Only a half block from the unsuspecting Dave Powers. What will happen? Thrilling things happen Monday. So don't fail to be with us. Be sure to tune in Monday. Same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is the copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. Behold my precious. Ooh, yeah, we do something right here, huh? 
Browsers! With crits starting as large as 11 dollars per month, those are facts just about for all collectors in. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it! You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P-Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents the adventures of Superman. Clark Kent draws closer to his villainous quarry. The murder-bent Professor Blessing with his pal Froggy complete their heartless plan to do away with their latest racket fiction. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. You know, the excitement never dies down when you're collecting those swell comic buttons in the new series Kellogg's Pep is putting out. Why, uh, no sooner have you added a new button to your collection, safely pinned it on your jacket or your dress or cap, than you're all hepped up about getting another one when Mom opens a new package of Pep. Then there's the business of swapping duplicates with your pals, too. Why, that's even more fun. And comparing notes to see who's collected the most different Pep comic buttons. There were 18 in this brand new series, you know. And they're all mighty smart looking. Mighty amusing, too, like the one of the inspector with his tall silk hat and his long white beard. Or Barney Google, or Goofy with his silly grin. And, of course, Superman himself. And say, here's how easy it is to collect these exciting prizes. You don't send in any money, not even a box stop. And you can't buy them anywhere. But you just ask Mom to keep stocked up on Kellogg's Pep and look for your comic button in every package you open. That's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Pep, the sunny golden toasted flakes with a catchy sunshine flavor. Kellogg's Pep. It's a doggone swell tasting that you'll want to eat lots. So ask mom for P-E-P, the sunshine cereal, Kellogg's Pets. Now the adventures of Superman. As you remember, young Dave Howard was fleeced of $2,000 by the self-styled Professor Blessing in the purchase of a worthless lunch wagon. Then, learning that Dave had contacted the Daily Planet, Froggy, the professor's burly henchman, sent two gunmen to the lunch wagon. And only the timely intervention of Clark Kent, who, as we know, was Superman, saved Dave's life. Realizing that he and Froggy now faced a criminal assault charge, Professor Blessing decided that Dave must be eliminated so he could not testify against them. As we continue now, the police have located the cheap hotel where the professor lives, and Inspector Henderson of Kent are on their way there, unaware that at the same time, the professor and Froggy are two miles away on a waterfront street corner, a half block from the apartment building in which Dave Powers lives. Outside the building, two police officers are stationed. Evening has closed in, and a thin fog blurs the street lamps, blotting out the figures of the two men who are bent on murder. Finally, 
Finally, Professor Blessing breaks the silence. Listen. Hey, Froggy. It's dark enough now. Come on. Wait, Professor. What about them two cops outside Power Building? Don't worry about them. I've got things figured so they won't see us. Come on. What's the pitch? Now, you see the old tenement we're coming to? The one that's all boarded up? Yeah. It's almost directly across the street from the building Powers lives in. When we get there, we'll... Uh-oh. Stop back in that doorway. Quick. What's the matter? There's a car coming. See the yellow fog light? Hey, you think it's a squad car? We'll see. Don't move, Froggy. Yes. Yes, it is a squad car. Uh, it's stopped right in front of Powers' house. Yes. Stay where you are. They can't see us. Hey, Riley. Come here a minute, will you? Okay. What do you suppose gives, Professor? How do I know? Maybe we ought to get out of here. Not until we finish our job. But if that police car is going to hang around... I don't think it'll hang around long. But just the same... What's the matter with you, Froggy? Getting the shakes? Oh, me? No, it's just that I... I, I don't like cops. Okay, Riley. Right. Go on. The leaving now. Okay. Okay. The car's gone. Yeah. But them two coppers are still outside the building. I can see them in the light from the hall. Don't worry about them, I told you. Come on now and stay close to the wall. Okay. What do we do now? As soon as we get to that abandoned tenement, I'll tell you. And a few minutes later, we'll be able to stop worrying about Dave Powers. Professor Blessing and Froggy stalked through the foggy, murky darkness toward the looming black shadows of the boarded-up tenement building, almost directly across the street from Dave Powers' apartment. Meanwhile, Clark Kent and Inspector Henderson have arrived at the shabby little Redgate Arms Hotel, where they have been led by Sergeant Healy to a small room on the fourth floor. Did you go through the room, Healy? I sure did, Inspector. Pulling in a dog, except some of the professor's fancy clothes. Well, he won't need them where he's going. You said it. He'll be wearing stripes and a number. You hope. What do you mean, we hope, Kent? The professor doesn't know we're on to him, or he wouldn't have let out of here with his clothes. Hmm. Yeah, we'll just wait here until he gets back and grab him. I repeat, we hope, Inspector. The professor is very clever, you know. Yeah, but he wasn't clever enough this time. Right. You did a good job of tracking him down, Healy. Thanks, Inspector. Now, you'd better get down to the lobby and make sure the lad at the switchboard doesn't tip him off when he comes in. I don't like the fellow's looks. Rosen's been watching him since we moved in. Just the same. Go down and keep your eyes open. When the professor and Froggy come in, ring us from the switchboard. Then, when they get in the elevator, you and Rosen come up the stairs. They make the pinch up here? Right. Okay. Stop wearing out the rug and relax, Mr. Kent. This is in the bath. I wish I could feel so confident. Yeah, why don't you? You see everything's sewed up. I have this many a slip tricks, the cup and the lip. Uh, not this time, Kent. We've got the professor by the heels. So sit down and relax. I won't relax until I see him behind bars, Inspector. Well, that ought to be very soon. Unless something unforeseen happens now. What are you worrying about? Frankly, about Dave Powers. Dave Powers? Yes. His testimony can send the professor and Froggy to the penitentiary for a long time. You're not kidding. With their records, it'll be for the rest of their natural lives. Exactly, and that's why I'm worried. The professor is undoubtedly aware of that, and since his gunman almost got Dave once Oh, today, so that's it, Yes, eh? that's it. Well, forget it, Kent. I've got two good men watching Powers Building, and they'll stay there until the professor and Froggy are locked up. Now, just the same, Inspector. I, I would... There's nothing to worry about, Kent. But he's... This not... is one time the professor outsmarted himself. <laughs> and will he know it when he walks in here and finds us waiting for him? Look, I think I'd better go over to Dave Powers' house and check up. For Pete's sake, what for? Well, I just... Didn't know... I tell you two officers were watching the house? Yes, I don't feel better. acting like an old woman and sit down. Uh... Take my word for it, Kent. There's nothing to worry about. I hope you're right, Inspector. I certainly hope you're right. The 
frowning, Clark Kent resumes uneasily pacing the floor in Professor Bletching's little hotel room. While at the same moment, the professor and Froggy have halted in the black shadows of the boarded-up tenement building. Across the dark, fog-swirled street, they can see the dim figures of the two police officers, silhouetted in the pale radiance of the lighted hall of Dave Powers' apartment building. Unseen, the two murder-bent racketeers huddle in the darkness. His blessing outlines the details of his plan to Froggy. Now, get this straight, Froggy. I want you to sneak up the sidewalk about 50 feet so you're out of sight of the cops. Then cross the street. Uh-huh. Then what, Professor? Wait there till you hear me scream. Then hear you scream? That's right. I'll make a racket as if I'm being killed. Then the cops will come running across the street, and as soon as they do, you hop into the building, go up to Dave Powers' apartment. It's number 3C. And, well... You know what to do then. Yeah, sure. But what about you? The cops will grab Don't you. worry about me. The cops won't find me. Now, don't make any mistakes, Froggy. Don't worry. I won't. You remember the number of Powers' apartment? Yeah, 3C. That's right. When you do the job, make your getaway by the fire escape at the back of the building. It's at the end of the hall. Huh? Remember we spotted it from the other street? Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh. I remember. Okay, then. And meet me at Monty's place on 3rd Street. Monty's on 3rd. Okay, but that's all set. Now, don't mess this up, Froggy. I won't mess it up. You'd better not. Okay, now, get going. I'm on my way. Professor Froggy melts into the fog-swept darkness. Will his murderous errand be successful? As Professor Blessing and Froggy prepare to put their murderous plan into execution, their intended victim, Dave Powers, sits across the dinner table from his young wife, Anne, in the tiny dinette of their two-room apartment. You're not eating, Anne. What's the matter? Huh? Oh, nothing. I guess I'm just not hungry, Dave. That's all. Now, look, you've got to stop fretting about that $2,000 I dropped in the lunch wagon. Well, I'm not worrying Maybe about Maybe Mr. Kent and the police will get it back for us. But even if they don't, it isn't the end of the world. We're young, and I can get a job. I know. I'll stop worrying about that, Dave. Well, then what is eating you? Oh, nothing. Don't try to tell me that. Now, I can tell there's something bothering you. Come on, honey, tell me what it is. Well, I... I'm scared, Dave. Scared? About what? About... About those men... We'll try to shoot you today. I'm afraid they might try it again. Oh, no, they won't, honey. Well, don't you try to kid me. I heard you talking to Inspector Henderson on the phone. Now, look, honey, you don't have to worry, see? The police know the men behind this racket, and they're looking for them right now. Meanwhile, there are two big lads in blue uniforms and brass buttons out in front watching out for yours, truly. I know, but... What's that? What? Here it is again. Don't you hear it, please? Sounded like a cat fight or something. It wasn't a cat. It, it was a person. Scream. Now, look, Ann, you're letting this business give you the jitters. There's nothing to be scared of, I tell you. Oh, I don't know. There isn't. The police will pick up this Professor Blessing character and his pal Froggy any time now. I won't be able to sleep until they do. Don't talk that way. I repeat, there's nothing to worry about. The whole police force and the Daily Planet people are... What's that? Oh, pull yourself together, honey. It's just the doorbell. I'll see who it is. No. no don't go to the door, Dave. Now, look, Ann. Don't go, I said. It might be one of those terrible men. Will you Stop it. You know there are two policemen out in front of the house, don't you? Yes, And but... since there's no back entrance to the building, nobody can get in without being seen by the cops. But just the same, Dave, please oh, don't... relax, Anne. Everything's under control. Smiling reassuringly at his pale young wife, Dave Powers starts toward the door, blissfully unaware that he is about to be confronted by Froggy, who, gun in hand, waits for him in the outside corridor. When last seen, Clark Kent was still in Professor Blessing's hotel room with Inspector Henderson, waiting for the return of the murderous racketeers, whose plan to do away with young Dave Powers appears to be working successfully. 
what will happen. Many things are set to happen, so don't miss tomorrow's startling and surprising episode, gang. Be sure to tune in tomorrow. Same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents the adventures of Superman. Superman anxiously awaits further news of the murder bent racketeers. The villains have their helpless victim, Dave Powers, lined up facing the muzzle of a loaded gun. Hello there, gang. This is your pal, Dan McCullough. You know what I think is the best thing about collecting those comic buttons in the new series that now come in packages of Kellogg's Pets? Well, I think the best part is that all the kids can enter into the fun. Sure, you don't have to be getting a big allowance because you don't send in a single penny for these pet comic buttons. Not even a box stop. And uh, you don't have to be in a certain grade at school. And both fellas and girls get a big kick out of making a collection of all 18 buttons in this new series. And uh, all of you follow the adventures of these characters in the funny papers, so you're already acquainted with Cindy and uh, Vitamin Flintheart and the Little Moose and Superman, of course. And you can all trade duplicates with each other and add another pet comic button to your collection that way. So get in on the fun, gang. Sure, ask Mom to get you a package or two of Kellogg's Pet, because that's the only way you can get these exciting prizes. You can't even buy them anywhere. But there's a comic button for you inside every package of that sunshine cereal, Kellogg's Pet. And say, Pep's a prize package when it comes to good eating, too. Crisp and fresh and loaded with that catchy sunshine flavor that you really love. So ask Mom for lots of P-E-P. The sunshine cereal, Kellogg's Pet. And now, the adventures of Superman. When, as a result of Superman's interference, the self-styled Professor Blessing found himself faced with charges of larceny and assault against Dave Powers, the young man whom he swindled out of $2,000 in the sale of a worthless lunch wagon, the racketeer decided that his safety lay in doing away with Powers. Accordingly, he put into operation a daring plan, which included a ruse to draw off the police officers who were guarding his victim, so that Froggy, his burly gunman, was free to slip into Powers' apartment building. Meanwhile, at the very moment that Powers, over his frightened wife's objections, was about to open his apartment door in response to Froggy's ring, Clark Kent felt a premonition of danger, pacing the floor of Professor Blessing's hotel room, where, with Inspector Henderson, he has been waiting for the racketeer's return, Kent suddenly stops. Glancing quickly at an open telephone book lying on the table, he explained... Great Scott, Inspector, look at this. What is it, Kent? This phone book, with a line drawn on a Dave Powers address. So what? There's nothing to get excited about. Are you kidding? This could mean that Blessing and Froggy went out gunning for well, Dave I and... Can't... 
Blessing and his torpedo will get no place. But I tell you... I've told you nothing can happen to Powers with two of my men guarding his apartment building. No, I know, but I... As a matter of fact, I'll probably get a call any minute now. Telling me my men grabbed those crooks near the Powers' house. Now, that could be. Just the same, I've got a funny feeling something might happen, and I'm going out to check. Oh, don't be ridiculous, Kent. Be back soon, Inspector. Pete, say, Kent, wait. Powers is... Ignoring Inspector Henderson's plea, Clark Kent ducks into a dark stair hall, rips off his business suit, and a moment later... Up! Up! And away! Blue and red streak is seen rocketing through an open window. As Superman zooms through the night sky, Dave Powers, his face drained of color, faces the muzzle of a gun held in the steady hand of Froggy, Professor Blessing's murder bent henchman. Near him, the inert form of Ann Powers, who painted from fright, lies on the floor. A cruel smile flickers on the gunman's face as he says, What's the matter, Powers? Surprised to see me? How did you get in here? Easy. Just walked in. But skip but... that conversation, sucker. You've done too much talking already. No, wait. Now I'm going to fix it so you don't talk no more. So long, sucker. I'll take that gun, Froggy. Superman. Let's go. Let's go. I'll kill you, too. Your killing days are over, chum. Let's go. All right. There's only one way to cool you off, Froggy, and this is it. Oh, 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 baby, what a haymaker. That should keep him on ice for a while. And how? Holy smokes, Ann. She's still out. Ann. Don't worry, Dave. Ann. She'll be all right. But she, she looks so white. Naturally, but she's beginning to come out of that faint. She'll be okay in a moment. Poor kid. Boy, I don't know what kept me from passing out, too. I was sure we were gone as this time. Well, I admit it was close, Dave. Close is putting it mildly. Hey, look, how do you know my name? How do you happen to show up here? Now, that's a little secret I can't reveal. Stand by while I go downstairs and get some policemen to stay here with your wife. I want you to come with me when I take Froggy to where Inspector Henderson is waiting for him. Whatever you say, Superman. See you in a few minutes. A short time later, to Inspector Henderson's utter amazement, Superman deposits Dave Powers and the still unconscious Froggy in Professor Blessing's hotel room and quickly disappears. Then, in a moment again, in the guise of job of Clark Kent, he returns to be greeted with... Well, Mr. Worrywart, where have you been? Why, uh, I, I was... Looking for Dave Powers, were you? Well, yes, but... Well, your search is ended, pal. Hiya, Mr. Kent. Why, well, hello, Dave. Hey, I'm glad to see you alive and well. Uh, I can thank Superman for that. Really? Yeah. Would have been curtains for my wife and me if he hadn't come crashing through the window of our apartment just as Professor Blessing's playmate was about to rub us out. Great Scott, you... You mean Froggy? That's the guy. And here he is, personally delivered by Superman. Well, what do you know? But the professor's still on the loose. And Froggy, you'd better tell us where to find him or take the rap all by yourself. Well, what do you say? Okay. Okay, I'll talk. Now you're being smart. Speak up. Where do we find the boss? He, uh, he's supposed to be waiting for me at Monty's. Uh-huh. Bodies? You mean that restaurant on 3rd Avenue? Yeah. But jeepers, don't tell him I sang or anything. Don't worry about him. Come on, Inspector. I'm anxious to see that blessing character for more reasons than one. Boy, so am I. Uh, one minute. Healy. Yes, Inspector? I want you to take Froggy down to headquarters. Yes, sir. Look him and hold him incommunicado until I get there. With pleasure. Come on, tough guy. Up on your feet. Okay, cop. Okay. Oh, uh, on your way out, tell Rosen to stick around here at the hotel. Just in case the professor might mosey back. Check. Okay. I can't? Yes, Inspector. You and Powers come along with me to Monty's, where, if we're lucky, we'll pick up Leslie. Yeah. He's hoping he's still there. Let's go. <laughs> Inspector, he's the guy who took me for 2000 bucks on that diner deal. Yeah? Where? 
Skinny over there at that corner table, Dave? That's right, Mr. Kent. The skinny, bald-headed guy with the eyeglasses hung on a ribbon. Huh? Yeah. Huh? Yeah, that's the professor, all right. Come on, let's join him. And remember, let me do the talking. Oh, what if he sees us first? Not a chance. He's too interested in that paper he's reading to notice us. Hey, do you, do you think the piano's a swing? He likes towers. <laughs> You've seen too many mystery movies. Just step up to his table, pull out the chairs, and sit down. Leave the rest of me. Check right. Hello, Professor. What the? How's the lunch wagon business? It, Inspector Henderson. Yeah, and I think you may have met these gentlemen before. Dave Powers, one of your uh, customers, and Clark Kent of the Daily Planet. Hello, Crook. They know me better as a friend of Jim Olson. Now, now look here. What's this all about? Don't you know, Professor? No. You've got nothing on me, Inspector. That's what you think. Blessing, I've got enough on you to send you up for life. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now, will you go quietly, or do I... I'm not going any place. Now, look. Look out, he's got a gun. Don't move, either of you. You ought to know better than to pull a gun on me, Professor. Especially in a public place like this. These people here, my friends. Yeah, so what? Does it occur to you that this place may be surrounded by my men? I don't care. I don't care, do you hear? I'm desperate. Now, look. I'm not going to be taken in, see? Not alive, anyway. Don't be a fool, Blessing. I swore I'd never go back to sir. I'm a sick man, and I don't want to die in jail. Yeah, well, you should have thought of that before. If I'm convicted this time, it means life. And I'm not going to spend the rest of my life in jail. Be smart, Professor. Now, you be smart, Copper. If you want to stay healthy, you and your friends pick yourselves up and get out of here. Of all the I think he means business, Inspector. You better do. I'm desperate, I tell you. I won't be taken in. I'm not going to. Professor, this is your last chance. No, I won't. If you make me take it away from you, you'll be sorry. Don't do anything rash, Inspector. Why, you cheap tin horn troop. Inspector, keep out of this. Can't stand back, Inspector. I want you. Give me that gun. Inspector, look out. You ask for it, Copper. Inspector Henderson reaches out for the desperate Professor Blessing. Clark Kent knocks Dave Powers to the floor and cries out a warning. But too late to stop the shooting. What has happened? A moment ago, Justice Professor Blessing fired point blank at Inspector Henderson. Clark Kent, moving with the speed of light, knocked Dave Powers to the floor and whipping out both hands, caught the two bullets. In fact, the same breathless second, he upended the heavy table, hurling the racketeer to the floor and knocking him unconscious. Holy smokes, the professor wasn't blessing, Inspector. No. It was a lucky thing for us Superman was here. Superman? Yeah. I meant you say that, Inspector. You know, Kent. And it's no use trying to deny it. What, what are you talking about? Look, I suspected you before. Now, huh? what happened? You all right? I'm so sorry. Oh, okay, okay, Marty. I'm sorry we had to mess up your plate, but maybe now you'll be more careful of your clientele. But I didn't know. I, I couldn't. I know, I know. Forget it. Just run along and call headquarters for me. Tell them to send a pie wagon around for your unconscious customer. Yes, sir. Right away, sir. Okay, everybody. Relax. Shooting's over. Uh, look, Inspector, I think I'd better get going. I'm Wait a minute, sorry. Superman. Look, this is your idea of a joke, Inspector. No joke, Kent, and you know it. I saw you catch those bullets from the professor's gun. What? Mr. Kent, you You saw me. Oh, don't be silly. I'm not, and I can prove it. Open your hands. Oh, now, wait a minute. No, no, don't put your hands in your pockets. I say you're still holding the bullets. But I... Now, open your hands, and I'll prove that you're Superman. With the wide eyes of Dave Powers and many people in the restaurant on him... Clark Kent stands close in his mind, racing desperately to find some way out of this predicament. For in his hands, he does hold the two leaden slugs fired from Professor Blessing's revolver. The proof that he is Superman. 
Falcon can't possibly protect the secret of his double identity now from Inspector Henderson and all the world. If he opens his hands, the secret is out. If he refuses to open his hands, he is admitting that Inspector Henderson is right. What can he do? This is one situation Superman cannot talk himself out of, and he knows it. He must do something. And what he does is revealed in tomorrow's thrilling episode. So whatever you do, don't miss it. Be sure to be with us tomorrow. Same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DZ comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P-Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents the adventures of Superman. Clark Kent faces a supreme test to convince his accusing audience that he and Superman are not one and the same person. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, did you ever stop to think how many of your favorite comic strips are represented in that new series of comic buttons now coming in packages of Kellogg's Pet? There's a Superman, of course. And then there were four characters from Dick Tracy. And there are old friends from uh, Gasoline Alley and Harold Teen, Smitty, uh, Winnie Winkle, you remember her, and Smiling Jack and Flash Gordon, the Cats and Jammer Kids, and Toots and Gasper. Sure, 18 different characters in all. And say, talk about fun. Well, I can't think of a better hobby than trading duplicates of your friends to add a new button to your collection and wearing them all pinned on your jacket or your dresser cap. What's more, these pep comic buttons are so easy to get. You don't send in any money, not even a box stop. And you can't buy them anywhere, but you just ask Mom to get you some Kellogg's Pep and look for your prize inside every package you open. Mom's glad to see you eat lots of pep, you know, because that means that you're getting extra amounts of vitamin B1 and energy vitamin and good old sunshine vitamin D that helps build strong bones and teeth. Why, pep is called the sunshine cereal tastes as sunny and golden that you want to pitch in and eat hearty. Remind Mom right now to get you some P-E-P, the sunshine cereal, Kellogg's Pep. And now, the adventures of Superman. In a restaurant frequented by underworld characters, Clark Kent, Inspector Henderson, and young Dave Powers trapped a self-styled Professor Blessing, a racketeer who had first swindled Powers out of $2,000 and then sent a henchman to shoot him. The professor, refusing to surrender, drew a revolver and fired point blank at Inspector Henderson. Moving with the speed of light, Kent caught both bullets, upending the table, held Professor Blessing to the floor where he lay stunned. But to Kent's consternation, Inspector Henderson said he had seen him catch the bullets and declared, I suspected it once or twice before, and now I know I'm right. You, Kent, are Superman. As we continue now, a tense hush has fallen over the restaurant. Dave Powers stands with his mouth open, and all eyes are on Clark Kent. As Henderson continues, You're Superman, and I can prove it. 
Open your hands, Kent. Oh, just a minute, Inspector. Let's not be silly. I'm not being silly. I say the two bullets fired from the professor's gun are in your hands. You caught them. Cheap as Inspector, you sure? Well, of all the ridiculous things. Now, now, quit stalling and open your hands, Kent. But look, no, no, no. Don't try to put them in your pockets. Open your hands right now. Well? Mind racing desperately, Clark Kent considers one wild plan and discards it. Considers another and discards that. Then suddenly, as the sharp-eyed inspector watches him intently, a small smile appears on Kent's lips. Holding Henderson's eyes with his own, his steel fingers close tighter, vice-like, on the lead pellets in his hands. He presses still harder, exerting the strength that can crumble mountains and change the courses of mighty rivers. As he feels the bullets disintegrating to fine particles of dust in his palms, he speaks. I'm really flattered that you think I'm Superman. I don't think. I know you are. <laughs> That's very funny. I don't think it's funny. Oh? Look, Kent, this is one time you're not going to talk me out of it. I know you caught those bullets. They're in your hands right now, so... Wait a minute. Do you think I'm Superman too, Dave? Yeah, I... Well, gosh, yes, you must be. Why? I just remembered in the lunch wagon yesterday when those gunmen came in. You jumped right into the line of fire, but you weren't hurt. Oh, that was just lucky. Maybe that could have been luck, because the gunmen were rattled. But I saw this with my own eyes. Uh-huh, and so you say I'm Superman. That's right. Now, cut out the stalling, Kent. There's only one way you can prove I'm wrong. And that is? Open your hands. If the bullets aren't there, well, then I made a mistake. I see. Go on, open your hands, Mr. Kent. And if I don't choose to? That'll prove the bullets are there. But you're afraid to show them to us. Either way, we've got you, Kent. That's right. Well, I guess there's only one thing left for me to do then, Inspector. Yes? What? Open my hands and show you the bullets are not there. I'll believe that when I see it. Me too. All right, then, gentlemen, observe closely. I raise my right hand to my mouth like this. No, 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 don't try to slip the bullets into your mouth. Why, Inspector, what a suspicious mind you have. I just want you to know that I'm watching you. Very well. Now, as you see, my hand is a good six inches from my mouth. Right. Now, I'll open my hand, say the magic word, presto, and blow the bullet into the hereafter, like this. Behold, gentlemen. What the... Holy smokes. His hand is empty, Inspector. Yeah, but now the other hand. Once more, the magic word, presto. Oh, behold again, gentlemen. Let's see. Look, no bullet in this hand either, Inspector. Well, I'll be a ring-tailed <laughs> baboon. <laughs> Better luck next time, Inspector. Ladies and gentlemen, our little show is over. I thank you. <laughs> I guess the joke's on us, Inspector. Yeah. Well, no hard feelings, I hope, Kent. Oh, on the contrary, my great secret is still safe. I'll quit rubbing it in. Dave here is okay. We've broken up another vicious racket and finally caught up with Professor Blessing and Froggy. So, as the poet says, my cup of joy is running over. Hey, I forgot the professor. Don't worry, I've been watching him. He's still out cold. Sure. My men will be here soon to take him down to headquarters. But my money, the $2,000 he swindled me out of on that lunch wagon deal. It's all the money my wife and I had in the world. Relax, son. We'll find out more about that at the headquarters. Come on. Let's go. Sorry, Chief. Except that Professor Blessing had $1,500 of Dave's money on him, so Dave is out $500. And I'd say he's lucky he got most of his money back. I'll say. Usually, people who do business with strangers without investigating thoroughly first never get a red cent back. That's right. Put that in your story, Kent. I've already done it. Incidentally, I stopped at the hospital on my way back from headquarters. Jim's coming along fine. But they say I have to stay there for a couple of weeks yet. Yes, I know. I just talked to his doctor. Huh? Hang it all. Everything happens to me. What do you mean? Well, Tony Sloan is out with the flu still, and now Jim is laid up and Lois is still out on the coast. How can I get out a newspaper with three reporters on the shelf? I'll admit that is tough. When is Lois coming back? When she gets good and ready, I guess. 
She went out to spend Thanksgiving with her sister Diana. I know. And she winds up spending the winter there. <laughs> I sent her a telegram the other day telling her Hello, to... everybody. Well, Hello. I'll be... I'm so glad to see you. Oh, say, I'm glad to see you, Lois. How are you? Fine. How's Diana? Oh, wonderful, Come Clark. On. You have a good time in California? Couldn't be better. Yeah. Well, Chief, you fuzzy old bear, aren't you even going to say welcome home? Yes. Welcome home. You're fired. What? Oh, now, wait a minute. You stay out of this, Kent. Why didn't you answer my telegram yesterday, Lois? Well, since it came just as I was leaving for the airport, I thought it would be more fun to surprise you. Oh. Well, what's the idea of going to the coast for a week and staying six weeks? Because I hadn't had a vacation before that for two years, that's why. But if you really mean I'm fired, I'll get the next plane back to California. The climate's nice, and I was offered a swell job. And well, what's wrong now? Lois, just Jesus. stay out of this, Clark. Well, Chief, what'll it be? Am I fired or not? Mm, I ought to fire you, but, well... It just happens that we're short-handed right now. You'll be fired. <laughs> what are you two laughing at? That's oh, you, Chief. Chief. You can bark like anything, but you can't bite. Here's that soul. Well, let me now tell you... I know about... I'm home. Fired and rehired all in the first minute. <laughs> That's right. Happy days are here again. Now, listen here, Mr. If you don't... Well, 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 what, 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 what do you want, oh, Beanie? Just... Hello, Beanie. Oh, hi, Miss Lange. I'm glad to see you. Did you have a nice vacation? Just wonderful. Thanks. Gee, that's swell. How's your sister, Diane? Fine, thank you. Oh, for the love of Pete, do we have to go all through that again? Just happens that this is a newspaper office and we've got a paper to get out. Go back to work, baby. Yeah, easy, Chief. Hey, Wes. Can I even give Miss Lane her special? Special? Special what? Well, Miss Lane told me to pick up her mail at her apartment house while she was gone and keep it here. And yesterday, this special delivery letter came for her. Oh, let's see it, Beanie. Well, give it to her. Give it to her. Come on. Get, get out. Get out. Yes, ma'am. I mean, yes, sir. I mean... Oh, hey, I'm Thanks very much, Beanie. Incidentally, Beanie, I brought your present from California. You did? Gee, Later, well, later, later. Will you get out of here, Beanie, oh, before I... Oh, I'm going. There's no reason to shout at the boy, Chief. No, you don't you tell me what to do. Okay, Mr. Candy, don't bother me. What? You... <laughs> oh, he's a great kid. He ought to be shaving soon. <laughs> well, Chief, it looks as if the whole staff is on you. No, is that so? Well, I'm going to get a brand new staff. That's what I'm going to do. And I'll show Good you the... Good heavens. Huh? What's what? the matter, well, what is it, Lois? You're pale as a ghost. There's a letter, Clark. It... Oh, what's it about? What, what about the letter? It... Oh, no, it can't be. It just can't be. Pale, her hands trembling, Lois Lane stares at the special delivery letter she holds as her eyes grow wider and wider. What is in the letter that has so startled the girl reporter? Lois Lane, who has just returned from a vacation, has been given a special delivery letter which had arrived the day before. As we continue now, an editor Perry White's office, the girl reporter has opened the letter and gasped to White and Clark Kent. Oh, no. This can't be. Why, it just can't be. What can't be? For heaven's sake, Lois, get a hold of yourself. What's the matter with you? This, this letter. It's from a firm of lawyers. Lawyers? Well, what are they... Listen to this. The letterhead reads Harris, Grady, and Harris. Never mind that. What do they say? Listen, Chief. Dear Miss Lane, we are the executors for the estate of the late John Morse Lane of Johannesburg, South Africa. According to the will of Mr. Lane, which has just been admitted to probate, you, who are his niece, have been named as sole beneficiary of his estate. What? Hey, I didn't know you Wait had a relative. Talk, listen to the rest of it. As closely as we can approximate at this time, Mr. Lane's estate, which consists chiefly of the controlling stock shares of the Crescent Diamond Mine, Diamond Mine? amounts to something over 300,000 pounds, roughly about one and a half million dollars. <laughs> one and a half million dollars? Good God, Frank. Yes. What do you think of that? Stunned, Clark Kent and Perry White stare at Lois Lane, who has just been informed that she has inherited one and a half million dollars. Can this be true? Has the girl we have always known as a hard-working newspaper reporter suddenly become a millionaire? 
strange, it's true. But stranger still are the things to come, and they start happening tomorrow. Yes, exciting things are in store for Lois and her friends, and for Superman, who become involved in one of the most mystifying and dangerous adventures of their careers. So don't fail to be with us again tomorrow. Tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P-F. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents the adventures of Superman. Today, as Clark Kent and his boss, Harry White, welcome Lois Lane's return, the drill reporter startles all with the sudden and astounding news that she is heiress to more than a million dollars. Hello there, gang. This is your pal, Dan McCullough. You know, even though you fellas and girls are mighty fond of eating crisp, sunny-flavored Kellogg's Pets, you're not a bit sorry to see the box empty. Because, of course, you always know that Mom will get you some more of that super delicious whole wheat flake cereal double quick. And you know that you'll be adding another one of those snappy pet comic buttons to your collection. Maybe the little moose, you know, with a, with a feather sticking up in his hair, or a spud in his old stovepipe hat and his suspenders, or even Superman himself, complete with bright blue jersey and red cape. Now, if it should happen to be a duplicate, you know, a button that you already have, why, that's even more fun, because then you can trade with your pals. 
And you know, the best part is, you don't have to spend in a single penny to get these exciting prizes. And you can't buy them anywhere. All you do is to ask Mom to get you a good supply of Kellogg's Pep and look for your comic button in every package you open. And get set for some mighty delicious eating, too, gang, because Kellogg's Pep makes a sunny golden toasted dish for breakfast. Every crisp, tender whole wheat flake is loaded with catchy sunshine flavor. And every spoonful tastes a doggone wonderful that, well, you want to eat lots. So ask Mom for P-E-P, the sunshine cereal, Kellogg's Pep. Now, the adventures of Superman. Returning from a long vacation, Lois Lane, reporter for the Metropolis Daily Planet, found a special delivery letter awaiting for her. It was a letter from a firm of lawyers, and to Lois's utter astonishment, it informed her that her uncle, who had recently died in South Africa, had left her diamond mine shares worth one and a half million dollars. As we continue now and edit the Perry White's office, Lois, White, and Clark Kent are all pleasantly shocked by the news. Then Kent, recalling a discussion with Lois, breaks up the ensuing excitement by saying... Oh, it's all very wonderful, of course, Lois, but there's something I don't quite understand. What's that, Clark? Well, this letter says that your uncle just passed away. Yes. But you often said that your sister Diana was the only relative you had in the world. Well, that's what I always thought, Clark, but... Well, not... obviously she was wrong. You had an uncle, all right, Lois, and a millionaire is that. I, I, I guess so. Allow me to congratulate you, Miss Lane. I presume you'll be resigning at once and uh, buying a yacht, some mink coat, oh, and a diamond theater. Oh, really? Don't be silly. Oh, wait please. a minute, wait a minute. Cut the clowning for a minute, will you? Why, what's bothering you? Well, Lois, uh, about this uncle of yours, what was his name? Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, here it is. John Morris Lane. Uh, dear old Uncle John. Uh, well, well, think now. Did you ever hear of him? Never, Clark. That's why I'm so... was a son. For what? That doesn't... Oh, wait a minute, she's free. You're sure, Lois, that you and, and your sister are the only surviving members of your family? Why, yes. When Diana and I were little girls, my parents told us that we four that were all that were left of the whole Lane family. And so when they passed on, well, I, I naturally thought that Diana and I were the only ones left. Oh, that's certainly strange. Not necessarily, Kent. Maybe this fellow, Uncle John, had disappeared a long time ago and was believed to be dead. That sounds reasonable, Chief. Why, sure. There are lots of cases where a fellow drops out of sight for years and pops up one fine day with a million dollars. Yes. But I can't believe it. I, I just can't help feeling that there's been some mistake. Now that goes for me, too. Oh, ridiculous. Lawyers don't write letters like this unless they know what they're talking about. Well, that's true. Yeah, and you can bet they investigated very thoroughly before they wrote this letter. Then you think this is all on the level, Chief? Of course. Think of it. Five minutes ago, you were just a hard-working newspaper reporter, or, or let's say you were just a reporter. <laughs> I resent that. And now you've got enough money to buy a paper of your own. <laughs> uh, not to mention a few bottles like yachts and racehorses. Oh, and stop it, Chief, please. I'm dizzy enough. <laughs> No, but seriously, do you know what I'm really going to do? No, no what? I'm going to put up two more buildings like Unity House for the youngsters in Metropolis. One each on the north and south sides of this city. Ah, uh, that's a swell idea. Oh, well, what's for. more, I'll equip them with huge playgrounds and gymnasiums and swimming pools and, and, and little theaters. Oh, Lois. I'll keep my job on the planet, Chief, but I'll only work half day. Lois. The rest of the time, I'll devote to the new Unity House. Uh, wonderful, wonderful, Lois. Say, this will make a yeah. crack lead story well, wait today. A wait a minute. Huh? Wait a minute. I'm sorry to spoil your little dreams, friends, but I'm afraid the bubble has... What's that? What do you mean, Clark? Take a look at this envelope. The one the letter came in. What? Yes, let me see. Notice that the name and address are a bit blurred by the red ink letters saying special delivery stamped on by the post office. But if you look carefully... <gasps> Good heavens. You can read through it. So what? It it says Miss Louisa Lane. That's right. No. No, it can't. Oh, where's I mean, my glasses? Uh, somebody find my glasses. East 7 3 feet. Oh, my address is 125 East 72nd Street. Uh-huh. 
postman made a mistake and delivered Miss Louisa Lane's letter to you. Oh, what a horrible thing to do. Oh, it's a very simple mistake to make, considering the similarity of the names and address. Oh, and all that awful. Now, don't bother. Chief Clark is right. Yeah, like gummy you. Sorry, Lois. I should have known it was too good to be true. Yes. Well, anyhow, it was wonderful to be a millionaire, even if it only lasted for a minute That's or two. Huh, and I thought I had those two new unity houses practically built, too. Yeah, that is too bad. Well. Say, incidentally, maybe Miss Louisa Lane will be interested in your ideas for spending her money. No, I doubt it. Good heavens, I forgot. She doesn't know about this yet. That's what I meant. Who are you talking about? Miss Louisa Lane, of course, whoever she is. Gracious, I've got to take this letter to her right away. Hey, this is a big story. Planet reporter gets letter by mistake, informing unknown woman she inherits one and a half million dollars. Take it going on it right away, Lois. You might still be able to make the latest edition. Okay, I'm on my way. Now, wait, I'll go with you. What for? I'm rather curious to see this new millionaireess, Miss Louisa Lane. And split my byline? No, not at all. Thank you I... very much, Cross, but I'm quite capable of handling the story by myself. Well, I don't... And considering all those racket-busting scoops that you got while I was in California... Now, look, I... I've got this feature coming to me. Lois. Goodbye, now. <laughs> From the Daily Planet, Lois takes a taxi cab to 125 East 73rd Street, an old brownstone building where a small hand lettered sign in the ground floor window reads Louisa Lane, fine sewing and hem stitching. After ringing the bell, Lois is admitted to a small, rather dark one room apartment, in which are a few pieces of worn, ancient furniture and an equally ancient treadle sewing machine. Near the only window stands two bird cages, in each of which is a bright eyed canary. But neither bird is more bright eyed than their mistress, Miss Louisa Lane, a tiny, sweet faced woman whose neat brown hair is streaked with white, and who wears a high necked, ankle length dress, which was in vogue a generation ago. Oh, you know, see, my address is 125, too, except that I'm on 72nd Street, and the postman just made a mistake and delivered your letter to me. That's quite all right, my dear. You must think distress yourself about it. Well, I'm glad you feel that way, but I have another confession to make. Yes? You see, I, uh, well, I didn't notice the mistake until after I'd opened the letter and read it. I'm awfully sorry. Oh, please don't apologize. I don't mind that at all, really. Well, you're certainly being sweet about it. I'm sure most people wouldn't be, especially when this letter is so important. But, but of course, you don't know that. Well, yes, I, I feel that I should warn you that uh, the contents of this letter may shock you. No, it won't. Not at all. Oh, I think it will. Maybe I'd better tell you. Well, no, that would spoil it. Here, you read it yourself. Take a good deep breath first. I assure you that it is necessary, my dear. But, Miss Lane... You see, I know what's in the letter. You know? Yes. Well, but how can you know? You haven't seen the letter yet. That's right. But that's the same. I know all about it, my dear. In fact, I know exactly what the letter says. Lois Lane looks at the sweet-faced little old lady who says she knows the contents of a letter she has not yet seen. What can this mean? In the little apartment where she does sewing, Miss Louisa Lane has just told Lois Lane that she knows the contents of a letter she has not yet seen. As we rejoin them now, the sweet-faced little old seamstress repeats what she has just said. Yes, my dear, I know exactly what the letter says. But, but how could you know? Well... Oh, I get it. The lawyers probably phoned you and told you about this when they didn't hear from you immediately. Lawyers? Why, no, I, I haven't heard from any lawyers. You haven't? Well, then how... Huh. Well, there's only one other possible answer. My good friend and colleague, Clark Kent, decided to scoop me on the story after all. So he called you up and told you. Clark? Yes. yes. Oh, that wretch. Just wait till I see him. But, uh, but who is he? He's a reporter on the... Wait a minute. You, you mean he didn't call you? I know. I 
I have no telephone. You see, you haven't? No. Well, well was, was any reporter here? I mean, before I arrived? No one has been here all day. I've been all alone. But, but look, Miss Lane. Oh, please call me Miss Louisa. Everyone else does. All right, Miss Louisa. You say the lawyers, Harris, Grady, and Harris, who sent this letter, did not contact you. Well, I know. I've never even heard of them. And Cross Kent didn't see or talk to you, nor, nor did anyone else on the Daily Planet? No. And yet you're trying to tell me that you know what's in this letter? Yes, I know exactly what's in it. Almost word for word. But you can't possibly. I do, know. Would you like me to tell you what it says? I certainly would, Miss Louisa. Very well. Listen then, my dear. <coughs> it says, Dear... Miss Lane, we are the executors for the estate of the late John Morse Lane of Johannesburg, South Africa. Good heavens. According to the will of Mr. Lane, who has just been admitted to probate, you, who are his niece, have been named as sole beneficiary of his estate. Oh, this is incredible. Isn't that what the letter says, my dear? It's exactly what it says. Word for word. You see? Yes, but... But... How on earth did you know? Once more, her eyes fairly popping from her head, Lois Lane stares in amazement at the sweet-faced little old lady who has just repeated, word for word, the contents of a letter she had never seen. What can this mean? How could Miss Louisa perform what appears to be nothing short of a miracle? We'll learn more about Miss Louisa and the secret of her seemingly amazing powers tomorrow. So don't fail to tune in. Same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Behold my precious. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh huh? It's the Loop Crate subscription box, yeah, with exclusive loop on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, there's a box just about for all collectors in. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-T-Pep. Kellogg's Pep. 
the Sunshine Serial presents The Adventures of Superman. Today, refusing Clark Kent's offer of help, Lois Lane learns to her amazement that the genuine heiress already knows of her good fortune. there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. You know, there's loads of fun for you just in looking over your collection of comic buttons in that new series from Packages of Kellogg's Pets. Because every single picture of a funny paper character makes you think of all the things that that character has done right in the comic strips. Sure, for instance, when you look at Chief Brandon's picture, why, you remember all the times that he's worked with Dick Tracy in tracking down criminals. And uh, Goofy and Beezy from Harold Teen, they always remind you of all the scrapes that they get into. And of course, Superman stands for the wonderful things that he's done, preventing crimes and saving people from danger. Actually, every single one of those 18 new comic strip characters looks just as real as in the funny papers. So get busy on your collection, gang. Ask Mom to get you some Kellogg's Pets, because that's the only way you can get these exciting comic buttons. You don't send in any money, not even a box stop, and you can't buy them anywhere. But you'll find one in every package of pet you open. And you'll find out how super delicious a breakfast cereal can taste, too, when you spoon into your dish of those crisp golden toasted flakes. Kellogg's Pet is called the Sunshine Cereal. It's loaded with that catchy sunshine flavor. So remind Mom to get you plenty of P-E-P, the Sunshine Cereal, Kellogg's Pet. And now, the adventures of Superman. A letter addressed to a Miss Louisa Lane was delivered by mistake to Lois Lane, reporter for the Daily Planet, who lived in a neighboring block. The letter, written by a firm of lawyers, informed Miss Louisa that she was the sole beneficiary in the estate of her late uncle, an estate which amounted to approximately one and a half million dollars. Lois brought the letter to the tiny bird-like spinster, and to Lois's astonishment, Miss Louisa said it was unnecessary for her to read the letter because she already knew what was in it. And she then proceeded to stun the girl reporter by repeating the contents word for word. As we continue now, Lois gasped. I can't understand this, Miss Louisa. How could you know what the letter was about? As I said before, it's really very simple, my dear. You see, Zyra told me I would receive such a letter either yesterday or today. Who told you? Zyra. Oh, since it didn't reach me yesterday, I knew that this must be it as soon as you brought it to me. I see. Uh, tell me, Miss Louisa, who is Zara? Oh, he's a wonderful man, my dear. A truly wonderful yes, man. Yes, but who is he? Uh, a lawyer? Oh, no. Well, was he associated with your late uncle in some way in South Africa? He never even knew my uncle. Then how did he know about this this letter telling you about an inheritance? Oh, Zara knows everything, my dear. He does? Oh, yes. Zara is the wisest man in the world, and he has unusual powers. Unusual powers? I don't understand. Well, Zara is a seer. A what? A seer. He can see far into the future. Now, look, Miss Louisa, nobody can foretell the future. Zara can. That's ridiculous. Anyone who says he can is a fake. And that goes for this Zara person, too. My dear child, how can you say such a thing? Didn't Zara tell me I would receive this letter you brought me? And didn't you tell me exactly what he could say? Well, yes. I don't quite understand that, but... So? 
How can you deny it? Oh, there's something fishy about this. Look, Mr. Weezer, did you really have an uncle named John Morse Lane? Yes, indeed. He was my mother's elder brother. Of course, I never actually saw him because he ran away from home when he was very young. Oh, long before I was born. And now, suddenly, it turns out that he owned a diamond mine worth one and a half million dollars. Yes, that's wonderful. Doesn't that seem a bit peculiar that a fortune teller knows about it? Zara is a seer, not a fortune teller. All right, all right, he's a seer. Listen, Mr. Weezer. Everything may be all right about your inheritance, but there's no harm in doing a bit of checking, now, is there? Checking? The lawyers who wrote you this letter, Harris, Grady, and Harris, asked you to get in touch with them as soon as possible. Let you and I call on them now, shall we? Oh, that'd be lovely. I'd like to get the money as soon as possible. If any. And I certainly... Hmm? Uh, oh, nothing, nothing at all, Mr. Weezer. Come, I'll help you with your coat, and we'll take a taxi right down to see Harris, Grady, and Harris, attorneys at law. <laughs> Yes, yes. Come right in, ladies. Come right in. Thank you. Uh, come, Mr. Weezer. Sit down. Make yourselves comfortable. Thank you, Mr. Harris. Now, which one of you is Miss Lane? Both of us. Yes, of course. Both of you? Yes. I'm Lois Lane, and this is Mr. Weezer Lane. Ah, so this is the lucky little lady. Well, well, allow me to congratulate you, madam. Oh, thank you, Mr. Harris. And I, you, uh... miss, are a relative, I presume? Well, uh, not exactly. A young cousin, perhaps, who will share in all his good fortune? Uh, no. Oh, here's a cousin, Mr. Harris. Then a niece, of course. But no matter, no matter. Tell me, Miss Louisa, how does it feel to be a millionaire? Oh, I, I haven't gotten used to it yet, Mr. Harris. No, of course not, but it's a wonderful thing to get used to. <laughs> yes, indeed. Oh, I'm so glad about it, Mr. Harris. You see, I've been so worried about being a burden to my young nephews when I get old and use up my little savings. Of course, of course. But now I'll be able to help them. And they're such lovely boys, Mr. Harris. The only sons of my best. Yes, yes, I'm sure they're both fine boys, but I know you're anxious to get the money as soon as possible, so let's get right down to business. You mean you have the money right here, Mr. Harris? Well, no, not quite. The necessary papers are being drawn up now, you see, and they'll be ready tomorrow. Now, if Miss Louisa will come back then and pay the, uh, you know, the usual transfer and probate fees, we can proceed at once. And by next... Uh, one minute, please. I want to get something straight. Yes? Uh, you want her to pay the fees now? <laughs> yes, of course. But as I say, they're just the usual transfer and probate fees. Really quite nominal, you know. Uh, how much will that be, Mr. Harris? I, I only had $1,250 in the oh, wait, Miss Louisa. Oh, $1,250 will do very nicely. Uh, as a starter, of course. But my firm will be glad to advance whatever is necessary over that, and you can repay us when you receive your inheritance. Oh, that's very nice of you, young man. Yes, isn't it? Now, the papers will be ready for your signature tomorrow, and we'll put them through as soon as you sign them. Then, by next week, you should have your money. Did you hear that, my dear? Yes, it certainly sounds wonderful. Uh, well, I think we'd better go now, Mr. Weezer. Thank you very much, Mr. Harris. Oh, not at all, not at all. Happy to be of service. I'm really very grateful to the young man, and I'll be down here back and early tomorrow morning with $1,250. That'll be fine, Miss Louisa, just fine. Now, allow me to show you to the door, dear ladies, and I'll have someone get a taxi for you. Isn't that Mr. Harris a lovely man, my dear? Too smooth, that you ask me. Let's imagine over a million dollars. You know, I still can't believe it, even though Zara told me last week this would happen. Some little fortune teller, isn't it? Now, please, my dear, Zara objects to be calling a common fortune teller. He's a seer. Okay, he's a seer. Uh, tell me, Mr. Weezer, did Zara also tell you that Mr. Harris would want $1,250 before you got your inheritance? I, I know he didn't, didn't he? I wish that he didn't mention Mr. Harris at all. But $1,250 seems quite reasonable to pay for over a million dollars, doesn't it? Oh, yes. But we'll find out more about that before you pay him anything. 
the first thing I have to do is pay a little visit to Mr. Zara. You? But finally, dear, I want to find out how he knew about this inheritance. Because unless I'm very wrong, Mr. Weezer, you're mixed up in a racket. A what? A racket. I'll know more about that in a few minutes when I call on Zara. Here's your house. Stop here, driver. <laughs> Is Miss Louisa being victimized in a racket? After dropping Miss Louisa at her home, Lois Lane continued on to the house of Zara, the so-called seer, where at this moment, a room entirely hung in heavy black silk draperies, from indigo rug to the deep rose-colored ceiling. A man is talking on the telephone. Of middle height and middle age, he is distinguished-looking and conservatively dressed with streaks of gray in his black hair. Only his deep, rich voice and his large, greenish eyes make him appear unusual. This is Zara, and as he speaks, his eyes rest on a glowing crystal ball, from which a faint iridescent light filters into the room of black. Say, Mr. Weezer, was that your office, Harris? That's right, Zara. She left about half an hour ago. I tried to call you as soon as she left, but uh, nobody answered your phone. Yes, Nella and I were both out. Tell me, how did it go? Easy is falling off the log. She went for it both fine and sinker. Good. What about the money? She's going to draw $1,250 out of the bank and bring it down here tomorrow. Well, fine. I thought I was going to have a little trouble with that niece, but uh, that worked out okay. With her what? The old lady's niece. Her niece? What are you talking about? Miss Louisa doesn't have a niece. Huh? Her only living relatives are two nephews, and they're both in the army of occupation. Then, then who was that girl with her? That's what I want to know. What was her name? Lane. Name is Miss Louisa. Lois Lane. Lois Lane? She said she was Miss Louisa's niece? Well, no. Come to think of it, she didn't exactly say she was, but I got the idea. Oh, uh, just a moment, Harris. Yes, Nella? Well, that's very interesting. Have her wait, Nella. Yes, ma'am. Lois Lane is here to see me now, Harris. I don't know yet, but I'm going to find out. If Lois Lane is posing as Miss Louisa's niece, it may mean she suspects us. And if she does, it'll be too bad for her. If Lois Lane suspects Harris and himself, Zara says, it will be too bad for her. Well, as we know, Lois does suspect the so-called seer who claims he can foretell the future. And now she is under his very roof. Unaware that he suspects her. The girl reporter is in a tight spot. What will happen in the black draped room with Superman unaware of what is happening and about to happen? Monday's episode is tense and exciting, so be sure not to miss it. Tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. 
able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P, Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents The Adventures of Superman. Clark Kent is unaware that Lois Lane faces great danger as she tracks down a phony fortune teller, leader of an inheritance racket. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, I know that you fellows and girls follow the adventures of your friends in the comic strips pretty regularly. And uh, nowadays, those comic strip characters are even more real and true to life because you're collecting those comic buttons in the new series that come in packages of Kellogg's Pet. First up, you get a, a close-up view of one of your favorites. You know, 18 different characters and all, old familiars like Toots and Casper and, and the Inspector and Barney Google and, and Pat Patton, Tess Trueheart and Chief Brandon and Vitamin Flintheart and Superman, of course. And the pictures are done up in full bright colors, too, on gleaming white enamel. Yes, sir, collecting pet comic buttons is the sort of fun that lasts a long, long time. You're always looking forward to getting a new button whenever Mom opens a new package of pet. And that's the only way you can get these swell prizes, you know. You can't buy them anywhere, and you don't send in any money, not even a box stop. But you get a comic button in every package of Kellogg's Pep you open. And do you get a load of super delicious eating while your breakfast bowl full of pet tastes a doggone sunny and toasty and crisp, but, well, you just show me a fellow or girl who can resist it. Remember, gang, ask Mom to get you lots of P-E-P, the sunshine cereal, Kellogg's Pep. And now, the adventures of Superman. Suspecting that Miss Louisa, a poor and aging spinster, was being victimized in an inheritance racket, Lois Lane, reporter for the Daily Planet, went to see Zara, a self-styled seer or fortune teller who had predicted to Miss Louisa that she would fall heir to a great fortune. However, Zara had already been informed that Lois, posing as Miss Louisa's niece, had called on a lawyer who was supposedly the trustee for the old lady's fortune. Alarmed, Zara told the lawyer, Miss Louisa doesn't have a niece which indicates Lois Lane may suspect us and be trying to trap us. If she is, she'll regret it. As we continue now, Lois has been ushered into a room which is draped with black velvet from floor to ceiling. A glowing crystal ball which stands on a table in the center of an indigo rug casts a thin, iridescent light through the gloom. There, Zara, a middle-aged man of average height, undistinguished except for his deep, rich voice and lustrous, greenish eyes, greets the girl reporter who pretends to be awed and credulous. Listen. You wish to see me, Miss Lane? Why, yes, I, uh... Are you Mr. Zara? I am Zara. Won't you sit down? Thank you. The reason I came to see you is... Let me tell you why you came to see me. It's about Miss Louisa Lane. Is that not so? Why... Why, yes. How did you know? Zara knows everything, Miss Lane. You mean that you've got spiritual, uh, telephonic contacts with the, the stars and, and, and spirits and things? Is that it? That is one way of putting it. Now, tell me, what is it you wish to discuss with me in connection with Miss Louisa? Well, it's about the fortune you told her she was going to inherit. She did inherit it, didn't she? Uh, yes, I guess she did. But how did you know it was going to happen? I am gifted, Miss Lane... When another person's spirit is in tune with mine, 
with an ability to forecast the future. You mean that you just look into that crystal ball over there and you can tell what's going to happen? Exactly. Gracious. Tell me, did Miss Louisa send you here? Why, no, of course not. How then did you learn about her inheritance? Well, a letter from a firm of lawyers telling her about it was delivered to me by mistake. To you? Yes. You see, Miss Louisa and I have the same last name. And she lives at 125 73rd Street, and I live at 125 72nd Street. I see. So... Then you are only an acquaintance of Miss Louisa's. That's right. You are not a relative. Oh, no. The similarity in names is just a coincidence. That's strange. Very strange. What is? Our having the same last name? No, something else. Something I see forming in my crystal ball here. What's that? One moment. The image is forming. Yes, I see it now. Really? What? I see an office. I see you and Miss Louisa there. And a man. He's a plump man with a little mustache. And he wears glasses. The lawyer, Mr. Harris. Quiet, please. You interrupt the mood. I'm sorry. I see you speaking to this man. You are telling him that you are Miss Louisa's niece. No, I'm not. I, I mean, uh, did Mr. Harris tell you that I said I was Miss Louisa's niece? Did he tell me? I know nothing of any Mr. Harris. Uh, well, I, I mean the, the plump man with the mustache whom you saw on the crystal ball. He must have inferred that I... Oh, yes, yes. My, you're simply wonderful, Zara. Why, your gift is amazing. Thank you, Miss Lynn. Now that you have seen an exhibition of my powers... Do you understand how I was able to foretell the great good fortune that was in store for our mutual friend, Miss Louisa? Oh, yes, I quite understand, Zara. In fact, I think I understand everything. Everything? Oh, well, I, I mean about the crystal ball, of course, and your incredible powers. Uh, may I come back sometime and have you tell me what the future holds for me? It will be a pleasure, Miss Lane. Thank you so much. Well, I must go, but I'll be back soon. Perhaps very soon. Anytime you wish, I'm at your service. Thank you, Zara. And goodbye. Goodbye, Miss Lane. I wonder. Nella. Yes, Mom. That girl, Lois Lane. She's just leaving. You wish me to stop her, Master? No, but I'm not altogether sure about her. Tell Pinky to trail her and find out where she goes. Yes, Master. I have a peculiar feeling that she means trouble. <laughs> takes a taxi to the Daily Planet, where she enters Clark Kent's office and tells him everything that has happened. And now, Clark, I'm positive that Miss Louisa's inheritance is a pack of lies, and that Zara and Harris are in cahoots to swindle her out of all the money the poor old dear has in the world. Well, it certainly looks like a racket, Lois. Looks but... like? Why, of course it is. How else would Zara know that Miss Louisa was going to get a letter from Harris telling her she'd inherited a million and a half dollars? Well... Well, I think we've got enough evidence on them to take to Inspector Henderson, don't you? No, not yet. Why? What more do we need? First, we must be absolutely absolutely certain that Miss Louisa's uncle didn't leave her a fortune. Oh, come now, Clark. You don't really think he did. Well, I don't know, but we've got to be absolutely sure of the facts before well, we charge anyone with operating a racket. But, Clark... There can be no buts. We make a false charge, Lois. We all fall into serious trouble. Well... Look, I'll tell you what. Yes? According to the lawyers, Miss Louisa's uncle died in Johannesburg, South Africa, and his estate is supposed to be there, right? Yes, that's right. The estate consists of the controlling shares in the Crescent Diamond Mine. Okay, to confirm that, I'll hop right over there and check up. You'll hop right over there? Well, yes, I... Where do you think South Africa is? Just across the river? Oh, no, no, of course not. No. What, what I mean is, uh, I can contact the authorities there pretty quickly. Well, even so, you can't get all the information you need overnight, oh, yes, and Louisa promised to bring Harris her $1,250 in the morning. No, that's... No, what... no, no, Clark. We 
got to be on hand with the police to grab Harris when Louisa gives him the money. Right, and I'll have all the information we need before Miss Louisa goes to see Harris tomorrow. But you can't possibly. Tell you I can. But how can Please, you? Please, don't let's waste time with questions and answers, Lois. Believe me, I know what I'm talking about, so let me do things my way, will you? Oh, all right. Meanwhile, I don't want you to take any chances, young lady. Will you promise to go home and stay there till I get back? Get back from where? In South Africa. Uh, I mean, uh, until you hear from me. Well, I don't suppose there's any more I can do this evening anyway. Of course not. Now, look, just one more thing. Do you still have Harris's letter to Miss Louisa? Yes, I've got it right here. You please give it to me. Why? What do you want it for? Oh, I don't know. Just that I may need it for something. Well, okay. Here it is. Thanks. All right, I'll be seeing Wait you. Wait a minute, Claude. What? Just, something just occurred to me. Yeah? Uh, you wouldn't be figuring to move in on my scoop story, would you, and oh. move me out? Don't be silly, Lois. Well, I made you a promise. Now you make me one. What? This story is little Lois's, all her own, promise. Okay, I promise. Okay. Remember now, sit tight until you hear from me. <laughs> Leaving his office, Clark Kent hurries to the deserted storeroom, strips off his business suit, and stands revealed in the blue costume and red cape of Superman. Then, throwing open the window, he hurtles out. Up! Up! And away! Leaping out into the late afternoon sky, the Man of Steel veers eastward, rockets across the great city, and out over the vast Atlantic Ocean, bound for South Africa. What will he discover? Now, what a pinky, the man who trailed Lois from Sarah's house. As he reported back to his master, as Superman streaked away from the Daily Planet, bound for South Africa, a slight, thin-faced man, felt hat pulled low over his eyes, stepped into a phone booth in the lobby of the Daily Planet building and dialed a number. Now, at the other end of the wire, Zara, the fortune teller, answers. Yes? This is Pinky. About that Lois Lane dame. Yes? I trailed it at a Daily Planet newspaper. The Daily Planet? That's right. And get this. I nosed around a little, see? And I found out she's a reporter, but a planet. A reporter? Are you sure, Pinky? Absolutely. This is bad, Pinky. Very bad. Yeah? Look, she's still up in the newspaper office. You want me when she comes out to, uh, you know... No, not yet. Not until I find out who has Harris's letter to Miss Louisa. That letter can send us up for 20 years. Uh-oh. Well, look, I'll... Listen to me, Pinky. You keep on Miss Lane's trail, understand? Check. I'll go right over to see Miss Louisa. If she's still got the letter, all right. But if she gave it to Miss Lane... I get you, Sarah. If she gave the letter to the newspaper, Dane, then I do my stuff, huh? That's right, Pinky. You have to move around, keep in touch with Nella at the house. I'll join you as soon as I've seen Miss Louisa. Okay. And don't let Miss Lane give you the slip. Don't worry, boss. She won't give me the slip. So long. Stepping from the lobby phone booth, Pinky pulls his hat lower over his eyes and leans against the wall. His sharp eyes fixed on the building elevators, in one of which Lois Lane must descend. If Miss Louisa has given the lawyer's letter to Lois, Zara said, Lois is due for trouble. We know that Lois did have the letter and that she gave it to Clark Kent, who as Superman is now far out over the Atlantic Ocean, streaking farther and farther away from Metropolis. What will happen now to Lois Lane and to Miss Louisa? We'll learn more in tomorrow's exciting episode, fellows and girls. So don't miss it. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow. Same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman.
Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents... The Adventures of Superman. Clark Kent continues his narrative of Superman's most unusual adventure and recounts the details of Jimmy Olsen's predicament on the planet Utopia. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. You know, even if you'd never read a comic strip in the funny papers, you'd still want to collect all 18 comic buttons in that new series Kellogg's Pep is putting out. Because the colors are so bright and clear, those buttons really show up when you wear them pinned on your jacket or your dresser cap. But since you know all the characters and follow their adventures all the time, why, it's even more fun. Yes, and they look true to life, too, so real they could speak. Take the little moose, for instance, with his arms folded on his chest and that feather in his black hair. Or Vitamin Flintheart, derby hat and long hair and fur coat and all. Or Superman himself, complete with flying red cape and Superman insignia. Yes, sir, these pep comic buttons are mighty nifty, and they're so easy to get. You don't send in any money, not even a box stop, and you can't buy them anywhere. The only way that you can get them is to ask Mom to get you some Kellogg's Pep and look for your comic button inside every package you open. And look for some doggone good eating, too, because Pep's a ringer when it comes to crispness and flavor. Kellogg's Pep is called the Sunshine Cereal. Every spoonful of those grand whole wheat flakes is loaded with sunny, golden toasted goodness that keeps you digging in for more. Fact is, gang, Pep tastes just as good as it is good for you. So remind Mom to get you some P-E-P, the Sunshine Cereal, Kellogg's Pep. And now, the adventures of Superman. In writing an account of his most unusual adventure as Superman, Clark Kent told of a strange bearded man named Anthar who insisted to Jimmy Olsen that he came from the planet Utopia to warn of an invasion of the Earth. Jimmy, we learned, scoffed at Anthar's story until he was forced into a spherical space shell, piloted by a little fat man whom Anthar called Poco and who spoke only in rhyme. And a very short while later, Jimmy found himself on the planet Utopia where, because of a difference in gravity, he was unable to move. Then, while Anthar and Poco were carrying him to safety, they were spotted and pursued by vicious guards of the cruel ruler Saram. Now, Kent continues with his story. Worried about Jimmy's disappearance with a strangely dressed, peculiar-acting old man, Editor White and I went up to the roof of the Daily Planet where we learned the boy had gone. He was, of course, nowhere in sight. Instead, we found Tom Carlson, a radio announcer, unconscious. While the chief ran off to call a doctor, I worked over Tom, and in a few moments he began to come to. Oh, Kent, is that true? Yes, Carlson. What happened to you, fella? Why, holy smokes, Kent, Jim Olson. Yes, what about Jim? Did you see him up here on the roof? Yes, he... That is, I, I think I did. Now, look, Tom, maybe you better start from the beginning and tell me everything that happened. Well, I, I just finished our hourly news broadcast. Yes. I came up on the roof here for a breath of air. I often do that. Yes, just go on. I started to walk across the roof, and I heard a funny noise, kind of a high-pitched whine, like, well, sort of like electric motors of some kind. Electric motors? That's right. Then then I saw the strange contraption, a big spherical thing, like a great big ball of some sort. And the motor sound was coming from that? Yes. This, this thing was gleaming in the dark, and it was transparent. I could see right into it, like like into a lighted room. Now, wait a minute, Tom. Are you sure you're not still kind of fuzzy? No, the... Kent, I'm not. I tell you, I looked right inside that ball, Kent, and there's Hat Jimmy. Jimmy? Jimmy Olsen? Yes. He was struggling with a tall, thin man dressed in shorts. Scott the Matman. And another man, a, a little fat guy, was working levers in the forward part of the sphere. 
I started over there when all of a sudden, whoosh, the ball shot off the roof as if it had been fired out of a cannon. What? No kidding. Jets of air shot out of the ball when it took off and knocked me back against the tower. Before I passed out, I swear I saw it shooting up to the stars. Utterly and completely shocked by Tom Carlson's story, I just stood there and stared at him. For the moment, unable to believe what I'd heard. And at that time, I learned later from Jimmy, he was thousands of miles away on the planet Utopia. There, he and Anthar, surrounded by armed guards dressed in gleaming tunics of woven metal, were marching down a long, high-vaulted corridor. Where are these guards taking us, Anthar? Take us to the evil region, Saddam, friend James. I would advise you to expect the worst. Jeepers. Oh! Golly, now what? Saddam's council room is behind these tall doors. Uh-oh. And this is it, huh? Shh. Let me quiet. Inform His Excellency that I bring the prisoners. How come Polko isn't here with us? He was taken away by the guards while you were in the compression chamber. Taken away? To where? I do not know. Chico, you don't suppose they they did something to poor Polko, do you? I, I do not know. Anthar, look. He's silent now. You may bring in the prisoners. Very well. Prisoners, march! Come, friend James. Boy, what a room. Big as a house. It's formerly the king's own council room. The stained glass windows and and the paintings and rugs. The prisoners will advance. Come, walk with me, friend James. That guy up there on the high throne is is yes, that? That is Saddam. Huh. He doesn't look like much. His appearance is deceiving. Holy smokes! Look who's sitting on that cushion. It's on speed. Look, it's Polko. Prisoners, halt! Bye, bye, nasty spy. Hey. Did Poco say that to us, Anthar? Yes, but I do not understand. Anthar's a spy, and soon he will die. What? And you are soon, too. Your end is due. Well, how do you like that look, Poco? Silence, Earthling! You, Anthar, you call the Earthling friend? Is not that the usual greeting in Utopia, Excellency? Among ourselves, yes. Not to our enemies. The boy is not an enemy. No, of course I'm not. Is he not from the Earth? Yes, but... Cannot they of the Earth our future foes? I trust not, sire. I have attempted to convince you that you make a dreadful mistake in your plan to invade the Earth. You attempt to convince me. Who are you to dare to challenge your regent? I do not challenge. I only assume my right as the senior senator of the council to advise you. I've heard your advice and I decided against it. You dare to cross me secretly, dare even to go to our enemies and warn them of our intentions. That Anthar makes you a traitor. He is not a traitor and Poco knows it. What is this? Poco knows what? Well, Poco is what? Quiet, quiet. Anthar, Poco, say... Silence, Earthling! Well, Poco, it appears that the Earthling gives the lie to your story. He seeks to imply that you know more of Anthar's trip to Earth than you told me. It is a lie. A lie what he seeks to imply. It's just as I said. I was asleep in my bed. If that is so, I am reminded to ask how came you in the park when the guard captured Anthar and the Earthling? Yeah, let's hear you answer that. James, please. Answer, fool! How came you in the park? Well, there was a pain in my head. So I rose from my bed and strolled in the park to hear the song of the lark. It, then down came the space shell, close where I stood. Oh, so startled was I, my, my legs turned to wood. But when I saw them step out, they aroused my ire, for I knew they meant ill uh, to use Aram, sire. And so swift I gave chase, and when the guards came, I, I held fast the two villains. And now, me, you dare to blame. Well, how do you like that? I'm not denying Prince James. Well, Anthony, please. You, Anthony, does the fool speak the truth? Yes, sire, he does. Hmm. What say you to that, Earthling? Why, I guess that's the way it was. <laughs> Good. 
I did not think the fool could dare be treacherous to me. No, I could not be, sire. For you, I love and admire. Enough! Panther, you admit then that you went to the earth to warn our enemies? That you brought this young one back to spy upon us? No, sir, um, I admit nothing. Naturally. What say you, earthling? You deny coming here to spy on us? My name isn't Earthling, it's Jim Olson, and I didn't come here to spy. I've heard enough to convince me that you both lie. Therefore, I, Saram, regent of Utopia, sentence you both, you, Anthar, and you, Earthling, to be placed within a sealed space shell, to be thus hurled out into great space itself, where you shall perish. <laughs> While Anthar bowed his head as in token of submission, Jimmy's face drained of color as the realization of the fate to which Zaram had doomed him struck home. Alone, a stranger on a faraway planet, with no hope of contacting me, the boy felt there was no hope. And now, back to Clark Kent's narrative of Superman's most unusual adventure. As Zaram, evil regent of Utopia, pronounced the death sentence for Anthar and Jimmy Olsen, there was a moment of silence in the huge throne room. Then Anthar raised his head high and spoke up. One moment, sire. As the senator, I demand my rightful privilege of a trial by my senate colleagues. For so is it prescribed in the great charter of Utopia. Oh? So, you wish a trial, do you? Yes. I demand it as my right. Hmm. <laughs> Very well. You shall have a trial. And the earthling, too. Tomorrow. But I would not advise you to hope for too much from this trial, Anthar. <laughs> Gods! Take away these two and place them in cells. Yes, sire. Come, prisoners. Guard, all in. Oh, cringings. Boy, I sure was surprised when Zara let you bluff him into giving us a trial. It is a hollow victory. We're agreed only because he considers it a meaningless gesture. Why do you say that? Because all good and brave senators who dare to defy Zaram have been imprisoned or liquidated. The remainder I have a fear or willingly follow Zaram. Oh. Friend James, I am afraid. I am very much afraid that tomorrow will see the end of us. Oh, Gee whiz. His face grown pale again, Jimmy walked with a sad-faced Anthar among the menacing men of Zaram. And despite his fear of what lay in store for him, he told me later the one thing that hurt him most was the thought that Poco, the little fat rhymester, for whom he developed an affection, had turned against his friend. Was Jimmy Olsen right in assuming that Poco had turned against him and Anthar? What happens now? Don't miss tomorrow's episode of Clark Kent's thrilling story of Superman's most unusual adventure when he reveals how he found out about Jimmy's predicament. Yes, be sure to tune in again tomorrow. Same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!